Tonight's reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. That's page 1182 in the Pew Bibles. It's entitled The Supremacy of Christ. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Beautifully read, thank you. And it's good, isn't it, to hear from one another, just hear some of those stories and hear what's going on. It's so encouraging. And as you probably gathered already tonight, what we're going to do tonight, we're carrying on this series thinking about freedom and uh, what God has to say uh, about freedom. And I want to think about uh, a few things tonight, and I want to start by asking you two or three slightly strange questions. And the first question is this, uh, when you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, what do you feel? What goes through your head? And um, as you go about your day, um, how do you speak to yourself? Uh, uh, Is that inner voice, is it nurturing and kind and uplifting? What's going on? What's going on um, in your mind, in your heart, as you think about yourself, your life, who you are? I say that because what I want to think about tonight is a bit about self-condemnation and the whole topic of condemnation. And I don't know whether you've read any books by this American lady called Carol Oates. Has anyone heard of Carol Oates? She's written 40 books. She's won many awards. She's the professor of humanities at Princeton University. And I read some of her short stories. I'd never heard of her, but I got sort of reading about her. And um, I read some of her short stories. And she's... um, She's quite a thin lady. She's probably in her 70s now, I think. She's very pale, black hair, thin. Uh, she looks like, a bit like Popeye's wife. Uh, what's Popeye's wife called? Olive. Olive. I couldn't remember her name earlier. I was desperately trying to work it out. Um, but anyway, uh, she looks a bit like Olive. And uh, I discovered on the internet that actually her favorite hobby is guess what? Paragliding. What? Paragliding? No, it's actually watching boxing. And I thought, 
that's so strange that you have this, this, this woman in this sort of academic world uh, reading some of her books, and she loves boxing. And she's written a book called On Boxing. And so I got a copy of this book, On Boxing. I was intrigued. Uh, and basically, she says, you know, I, I, I love boxing uh, because actually it's a great picture of human struggle of life. And she said, actually, you know, we often, as we go through life, have to fight. And she said, I always feel a bit worried writing about boxing because actually, when I write about boxing myself, I'm actually writing about my own life. And someone said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, actually, you know, we face all sorts of challenges in life. We face all sorts of joys, of course, but lots of challenges. But our greatest opponent in the boxing ring will ever come up against she says, is ourselves. And she says, you know, we often end up in um, a place of condemnation. We run ourselves down. We think we're not good at this. We're not good at that. And of course, as Christians, this can get really bad. And uh, we can end up thinking, you know, we're lousy Christians and we compare ourselves to other people in the room and think, gosh, they're really holy. We're not holy. And, um, you know, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. And all this sort of stuff. And we can find ourselves in a, in a place of condemnation. And I would have to put my hands up at, at, at the beginning and say, you know, I certainly can relate to what she's saying. I can relate to this, this tendency to actually run ourselves down. You have those tapes in your head, I was going to say a scratch record, or maybe an MP3 on repeat, those inner voices uh, that actually can run us down. Now, is this just me? I'd done this in the two services this morning and everyone was like looking at, at me like it was just me. I was like, thanks for nothing. Is anyone relating to this at all, a little bit? So that's all of us, so that's good. So we actually end up fighting ourselves, we end up fighting our thoughts, and we can be, according to Carol Oates, our, worst, uh, our own worst enemy. Now, this passage actually has a huge amounts to say to us uh, about condemnation and uh, hugely encouraging things to say. And I don't know whether you've read these verses before. I think they're some of the most extraordinary verses in the New Testament. Actually, if you know, they are actually a very carefully and very beautiful uh, poem, carefully crafted, beautiful poem. And there's all sorts of stuff to take from them. But I think Paul, who we spoke about last week, the Apostle Paul, uh, he he, he spent a lot of time writing to the churches he established, the new Christians in different places, in Corinth, in Rome, in Ephesus, and he wrote a lot about freedom. And uh, he had a lot to say about the freedom that God has won for us, that actually it's important that we learn how to walk in. And he would say, he says to them, uh, to these Christians, um, actually in Colossae, this book, this letter here, he says to them, look, if you are feeling condemned, if you're feeling worthless, if you're feeling like a lousy Christian, uh, actually, uh, the first thing you need to do is just remember who it is you're in relationship with. First of all, remember when you come to faith, you actually enter into a friendship with Jesus Christ and we have to hold on as we follow God month in, month out, year in, year out, 
the extraordinary person who has revealed himself to us and who we're in relationship with. And uh, lots of people, Paul sort of uh, uh, addresses this, lots of theologians would say, one of our greatest challenges as we go through uh, our lives following Jesus Christ, one of our greatest challenges is amnesia. And we actually forget who it is who has called us who it is we're friends with, and who it is, uh, uh, what God has done uh, through Jesus on the cross and what it means for us. And we need to be constantly reminded of just the extraordinary person of Jesus Christ. And Paul does this, doesn't he? I won't go through this part in detail, but he goes through this in verses 15 uh, onwards. He says, you know, don't forget, if you're feeling, uh, uh, you know, a bit like browbeating, a bit condemned, don't forget who it is that you are in relationship with. You're in relationship with the Son, who is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation, the person in whom all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, the person in whom all things have been created through and for, the person who is before all things. The person in whom all things hang together. The person who's the head of the body, the church, the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. The person in whom everything is supreme. And actually, the person in whom God's fullness dwells. The person in whom everything has been reconciled to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Paul says, don't forget who it is uh, you're doing your life with and who it is who's called you. That's the first thing you have to hold on to as you follow God. Because actually, Paul would say, theologians would say, you quickly forget that uh, on a Monday morning when you haven't checked all your emails and you're not prepared for that meeting and uh, you're, you're scrabbling and you're trying to get the children to school or whatever it is you're doing. And in the busyness of life, uh, you can end up just losing sight of uh, your reference point, this extraordinary person. And when you do lose sight of who it is you're in relationship with, the wonder of that, then actually uh, you can start to drift away and actually feel um, condemned. You see, Jesus is the person who can free us. We looked at this last week. Jesus is not only uh, amazing, he's the person in whom we've been freed. And uh, he can free us for the simple reason that he has brought us back into relationship with God. Verses 21 to 23. Once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. I don't know whether you've been separated from uh, someone you love or, or uh, you've been uh, split or uh, you know, had irreconcilable differences. Uh, probably the worst example I've come across was a friend of mine actually met a guy, got engaged. Her parents really didn't like the guy. They kind of sort of started to ignore the person, her fiancé, uh, went to the wedding. Uh, they didn't even come. It was so uh, bitter or separated, if you like. 
and uh, it causes such pain. The thing is, this separation, as you know, goes back to the garden, the beginning of the story, to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve turned away from God, and the consequence of that was a separation. But you see, what God has done in Jesus is to give us the opportunity to come back to himself, and he is the one who can free us. So this is the extraordinary thing. He's done this through Jesus uh, on the cross. So that's the first thing I think Paul would say. If you're feeling condemned, if your head's gone down, if you're feeling like a failed Christian, if you're feeling like uh, that tape is going and you're running yourself down, first of all, just remember who it is you're in relationship with. Just remember the special nature of, of Jesus Christ and also the special nature, not just of who he is, but what God uh, has done in and through him. Secondly, Paul would say, actually, into our self-condemnation, God says to us, actually, you're not lousy, you're actually holy. Uh, Verse 22. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. And uh, again, uh, this is a very important thing to hold on to in amidst the busyness of life, the challenges of life, and as we follow God, that actually, as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross, uh, God sees us as totally holy. Do you feel holy? Do you feel uh, fully holy? I've got to be honest, you know, uh, I'm a church leader, I'm a priest in the Church of England. I have to say I don't feel holy. If anything, I feel holy, H-O-L-E-Y. And uh, I I sort of feel there's stuff missing and I'm not really all there together. Uh, But the reality of it is, is that when God looks at me, he sees me as holy. I'm presented holy before him, as you are. And Paul is really, really hot on that. And remember, uh, we often feel like sinners and self-condemn ourselves. Actually, God sees us as saints. And Paul writes to the congregations he's established uh, through sort of Turkey and uh, that region. And uh, he often addresses them as what? To the saints in Corinth. To the saints in Ephesus. To the saints in Rome. And he's just reminding people, don't forget who you're caught up with, who's freed you, and your identity in Jesus Christ, because you are holy, holy people. And uh, that means you're holy, you're St. Rob, St. James, St. Dauphine, St. Michael. That's a bit of a duff one, isn't it? Marks and Spencers, it's great, isn't it? But, you know, this is the reality that God sees us uh, as holy. The second thing, or the third thing, is that into our self-condemnation, God doesn't just say you're holy. He says, actually, you are without blemish. You're without blemish. Verse 22, again, uh, we've been reconciled through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish. Now, one of the things uh, is that we can often feel quite blemished as people. And this is the head sort of our thoughts attack us in, that, in this regard. Have you ever done some washing and uh, you put the wrong colors together and your favorite top goes, and it's just, it's just blemished. I mean, you, you either wear that rose tint thing, which everyone notices, or you have to just get rid of it. 
Actually, we can feel blemished. And in our culture, uh, which is kind of photoshopped, glossy, Botoxed, plastic, airbrushed, uh, everything's perfect, we can actually feel uh, uh, we're not perfect. And, uh, you know, we live in this culture that says you can do anything, you can be anyone, you can uh, be a celebrity, you can earn whatever you want, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, actually... We struggle, don't we? And when we, when we, when we aren't uh, multimillionaire Jamie Oliver, Simon Cow, uh, Adele people, whatever, we can feel there's something wrong with us. You know, we're, we're, and we can feel ashamed and we're blemished. But actually, that's not the truth. The truth is that we're not just holy in God's sight, we're also uh, without blemish. And uh, we can feel ashamed because we don't have the perfect marriage. We haven't got the perfect exam results. We haven't got the perfect friends at school. We're not in the in crowd. We're not in the first 15. And it sort of goes on and on and on. But actually, you know, we are without blemish before God. And this is an important um, truth, Paul would say, to actually grasp. So we're holy in God's sight and we're actually uh, without blemish. Now... Thirdly, into our self-condemnation, Paul would also say, or God says through Paul, you're also free from accusation. Now, one of the interesting things uh, about Carol Oates' boxing analogy, if you like, is it's true. We do, there's a sense in which we can run ourselves down. But one of the other things that's slightly uh, intriguing or slightly strange is that actually part of this condemnation we feel is spiritual. It's actually spiritual opposition. We don't talk about this too much in the church, but actually uh, we have our enemy as well. is isn't just ourselves, but actually uh, uh, the devil or Satan. This sounds full-on language, doesn't it? I remember sort of hearing it for the first time. But according to the New Testament, you see, uh, the devil is the father of lies. He's bent on deceiving us. He masks uh, as an angel of light. And what he wants to do is just accuse us and uh, rob us of who we are in Jesus, rob us of uh, our sense of self-esteem and value. And really, really what he wants to do is engender paralysis in us. So we just bump along through life, a bit like tumbleweed, feeling fairly lousy. And um, despite looking good inside, we often feel uh, not like that. And uh, he actually wants us just to feel quite condemned and certainly not be close to Jesus or speaking of Jesus or certainly not doing the things that Jesus would call us to do or call us to be. But what's interesting is that Paul writes, uh, last of all in this verse, verse 22, we're not just presented holy in God's sight without blemish, but we're also free from any accusation. Now, do you ever think, oh gosh, I've let you down, or I bet you God thinks this, or yikes, I'm a terrible Christian, or gosh, I've blown it again, God, I'm so, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I'm lousy, da 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 da. Actually, God doesn't accuse us at all. Paul writes to the church in Rome, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And this is really, really important to grasp, and it's really, really important to hold on to. 
because when we slip away from this, when we forget who Jesus is, when we forget we're holy without blemish and free from accusation, we end up getting bound again and tied up and paralyzed and actually not living the life that Jesus offered, which is life and life to the full. Now, the other interesting thing is that Paul says we mustn't just remember who we are and what Jesus has done. Also, if you're going to be free as you follow Jesus Christ, you've actually got to fight for your freedom. You've actually got to intentionally and deliberately guard this freedom uh, of what God has done in and through you in Jesus Christ. This is verse 23. This is the whole sentence. You'll be holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So that's quite strong language, isn't it? It's not just sort of, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Paul is saying, look, guys, guard your faith. Be intentional. Keep, keep close to Christ. Keep reminding yourself what he's done. And uh, actually, this is really, really important that we, we do this. And how do we do this then as we go on with God? Now, we're going to be looking at all sorts of things over the next few weeks. And, um, you know, we, we, there's all sorts of stuff. We need to accept we're broken. We're not perfect and always will be this side of heaven. We need to learn how to stand firm against the devil. We need to read the, the Bible. We need to build our intimacy with Jesus. But actually, what Paul picks up on in this passage, and it's a weird thing to say, is that we need to be people, uh, if you want to guard your freedom, we need to become servants of God. And so he says in verse 23b, I think it is, yes it is, this is the gospel that you've heard, this is the good news that you've heard, that is being proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And this is one of the really paradoxical things about the Christian faith. Our culture tells us, if you want to be free, just do what you want. When you want, in your own time, whatever you feel, just do it. Hedonism, uh, there's materialism, there's consumerism. You just, that's how you get freedom. But actually, we know that's not true. That's our personal experience. We know these things don't free us. Paul says, if you want to be genuinely free, then you need to be someone who responds to what Jesus is wanting to do in and through you, and you respond to what Jesus is calling you to do. We've kind of expressed this here uh, as uh, expressing your heartbeat. God has created you with passions, he's given you gifts, and you have certain callings. And he wants you to lay down your life and serve him following these things. And here's the rub. When you do that, you don't get really depressed and uh, it's all really grim and, oh my gosh, this God thing's terrible. Actually, what happens is you find life and life to the full. This is the whole point. And Paul talks about this in other letters. So, what I want to suggest, therefore, is if we're to hold on to our freedom, just based on this little poem here in this letter, actually, we need to adopt a what-the-heck attitude. Uh, a what-the-heck attitude. And we need to be people who, when we feel God is calling us to do stuff, asking us to serve him in some way or other, we just go, you know what, everything in my head is telling me I'm not holy enough, I'm not good enough, I'd be lousy, I'm not good as that person, but what the heck, 
I'm just going to do it anyway. And uh, that's important that we just go for it. It could be tiny things. Have you ever felt God say, hey, why not just pray for that person? And you thought, oh, no, that would be a bit awkward. Have you, have you, has that ever happened? Or just small things. Uh, why don't you just uh, go and phone that person? You all know it'll be, you know, blah, 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 blah. and we don't do it. It's tiny things. But actually, these are important things. And so we need to be people who have a what-the-heck attitude and go to it. And we need to um, confront that great deception that afflicts all of us in our life, which is the once-I deception. Uh, once-I but, 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 I will do it. Once I have read my Bible every day for a week, I, I, I will pray for that person. Once I have had a quiet time uh, for two hours in the morning and fasted, I will do this sort of thing. Once I um, finally have enough money in the bank, I will do this sort of stuff. Once my kitchen extension is done, I will, da, 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 da. Once I actually lose a bit of weight and feel a bit better, I will, whatever it is. We've all got these once I things. But I want to encourage us and challenge us to actually be people who listen to this, uh, this poem of Paul's and actually think, you know, I want to be free. God has set me free in Christ on the cross. I need to just keep working at this freedom. And what Paul is saying here is about just pursue the things that Jesus is calling uh, uh, me to do. And one of the things is, is not many of us uh, do overcome that once I have, once I have, or not many of us do the what the heck thing, I'll just do it anyway and jump in. Um, and actually, the consequence of that is that we don't walk in freedom, the freedom that God would want for us. And also, we end up as people of regret we look back and think, oh, it's not once I, it actually becomes if only. And actually, we miss out of uh, some of the freedom, some of the joy, some of the life that God has for us. So, that's this installment. And we're going to just keep journeying on this theme of freedom. And uh, I'd encourage you, uh, if you want now, why don't we just have a few moments where we can pray uh, for one another tonight, just sitting where we are. And um, you don't have to do this, by the way. If, you, if this is your idea of a nightmare, uh, then you don't have to do that. But why not just get into pairs and just say to, say to the person next to you, hey, uh, what could I pray for in, that, in this whole area of freedom? And you could say what you want. You don't have to, you know, if you're really struggling with something, you don't want to say that, don't say that. You just reveal what you want to reveal. You might like to say, look, I don't want to say much about this, but God knows, I'd love you just to pray that he would free me whatever it is. And let's have a few moments just to pray together. We'll have about five minutes just to pray with one another and encourage one another and um, actually start to step out in this way.